As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their residents, and their successes or failures. But there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Grant Parker, current advanced game designer at Insomniac Games. So join us as we explore his journey for episode 100 of Dev Diary. Thank you for coming along for the ride. Let's go. So today I'm joined by Grant. How are you? Doing really well. Uh, it's it's awesome to have you on. It's uh, you're going to be a fascinating guest, and thank you so much for for joining me for what is episode 100 of the show. It's it's a real mm-hmm. honor to have you aboard, and um, I'm thrilled that you could join me for this episode. I feel like I've won. You know, we used to get a web page, and be like your visitor number. You know, one million. <laughs> I feel like I'm I've got a special uh, tree here. Yeah, Thanks so I'm going to send you something really dodgy in the post sometime soon. <laughs> there um, you go. It's it's like the wish equivalent of something. Don't get too excited. <laughs> uh, no, uh, really, really appreciate it, and I'm really looking forward to having a chat. You've done some really, really fascinating things in the industry, and I'm sure our listeners, once they learn that you're you're our guest, will be really, really keen to tune in as well. So this is Dev Diary, a series where we talk to developers from throughout the industry. They share their stories, their experiences, and the journey has led to this current point in time. But before we get to all of that, I really want to walk through some of your early experiences with video games prior to actually making them. Do you recall what some of your first video games were that you played as a you know, purely consumer oh, wow. side? Yeah. Even, um, even potentially the first? It's tough to nail down the first. So uh, I have a, a brother who's 10 years older than me who played a lot of video games. Yeah. My dad played a lot of video games as well, so I kind of... So they're, they're right they're always, away. Yeah, always in the house. Uh, I'd say uh, we had an Atari 2600, but I probably I probably didn't get uh, much gaming myself until uh, kind of the Super Nintendo. Um, yep. So, uh, you know, I think the th- earliest thing I can remember is uh, Donkey Kong Country... Uh, and specifically, I think it was the, um, you had the kind of minecart levels where all you have to do is hit the, the jump, jump at the right time, yeah. you know? So like, it was like, okay, I can do that. So my, you know, my dad or my brother would be playing and then I could do that level, you know, and, and have fun for, for that. So I think that's probably the earliest, uh, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of great memories on, uh, SNES, you know, uh, getting destroyed by my brother on, on Street Fighter 2 or, uh, uh, you know, playing F Zero or something like that. So a lot of good stuff. I mean, cutting ourselves, uh, cutting our teeth on really similar games. There, like Donkey Kong was, yeah, I think right up there for me is one of the very, very first as well on the Super Nintendo. So um, you've got good taste. Absolutely. <laughs> or you, you know, young, you had really awesome taste. Um, so how did things develop from there? As you immerse yourself more and i mean as you say you already had these influences in your own household that were playing games but as you started to kind of develop i guess your own taste how did how did things kind of grow from there were there any particular games franchises genres that you potentially focused on more than others it's interesting i I feel like i had a pretty wide uh swath of stuff you know i'd play um again i like I, i had a really consistent amount of uh you know playing games uh growing up and uh, you know, whether that's playing, the, you know, going over friends' places and playing stuff or, um, you know, I, I remember specifically all the Mist, uh, Mist and Riven oh, and yeah. Mystery and all that stuff. I would play that, you know, uh, with my dad. Like, I wasn't quite ready for that level of, 
a puzzle, you know, but I would play that, you know, sitting on his lap at his computer and stuff, and we'd kind of run through it and kind of, you know, build up on some of that stuff. So I'd say, you know, I had a pretty wide exposure to a lot of a lot of games, you know, um, racing games, fighting games, pretty much everything. Um, so, you know, I just kind of loved playing games. And I, I always just thought of it as, you know, like a, a pastime, you know, something that I just yeah. enjoyed. I loved that, and I loved, you know, watching movies. And those were kind of, um, you know, just stuff that, that I, I really enjoyed. Uh, and it wasn't, it took a while for that to become, you know, oh, these are things that people make, you know? Yeah, uh, of course, yeah. Like that, that, that kind of, um, I feel like you have a lot of people know that and have that step for movies before they have it for games, you know, where it's like, okay, we talk a little bit more publicly about directors, uh, you know, of, of movies and, you know, it's a little bit, uh, you know, especially at the time, it's a little bit more in just public discourse that are, you know, Steven Spielberg is a well-known, you know, movie director is a well-known person, even for people who don't yes. necessarily like movies or, or watch a whole lot of movies. Well, not um, even not even that, but just like uh, so many movies have, you know, physical, real life people right there in front of you. So you go, okay, like that can ground that concept right, for a lot of people. True, whereas video games true. can be still quite more, you know, a little bit abstract, I must say. And you're not the first, it's kind of almost kind of hide the idea that you know, it feels it feels a bit like magic from you know when you're really really mm-hmm. young. How do these things come together? So um, absolutely, that can take a while to kind of get your head around. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think the the first time that I like when I was showing so much interest in that stuff, one of the things that my dad did to kind of foster my interest further was to like, you know, bring up programming to, at a pretty early age and be like, you know, to explain, you know, what programming was or, or, you know, to make me kind of interested in, you know, connecting the dots between writing and something in visual basic or whatever. And, and, you know, the visual uh, representation, you know, like, yeah, to explain why this is, is useful, you know, you'd use like, Oh, well, the video games are programming. Like that's, you know, so that kind of uh, helped me have that realization. No, that's that's really really cool and um fascinating. You pick out a game like Riven along the way there, considering it's you know been recently announced to be getting a remake, remaster, some sort of treatment there. So yeah. there's a whole new audience wait, that might wait. actually get to experience the same sorts of things that that you did. I, I messed around with Mist. I didn't. I don't think I ever actually played Riven, if I recall. But um, but yeah, I mean, really 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 fascinating game, and yeah, potentially open for a whole new audience there. You obviously talk about this exposure with your dad and kind of highlighting the programming and, and the importance of that. But was there was there a game or a collection of games that perhaps informed your decision to go beyond just purely consuming them and enjoying them as, on that side of the fence, but actually getting immersed in the creation of video games? Yeah, I think so. I think the first, the, the earliest that I can like think of of, of just conceptualizing it was. Um, was probably Ocarina of Time. Uh, yeah. You know, I think that was the first game that I played where I was, like, just kind of blown away by this is this world. And, like, the, you know, there's this legendary story that's unveiling, you know, and, and like... Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, and I'm a participant in it. And, and you know, th- that was the first thing that kind of got me excited about the, just the concept of storytelling in an interactive medium and, and you know, showed me hey, this is a thing that games can do. They can be more than, you know, racing a car or doing an activity. They can be a, a story or an adventure. You know, that yeah. was kind of the thing that was like, oh, wow, this, like, really... It's You know, it hit me, yeah. And, and I think, you know, that continued 
like I I would play that game and then kind of think of my own, you know, stories in that world, you know, yeah. as a kid, or or I would you know do the same thing with um, Final Fantasy X. Uh, you know, was another big one that uh, you know that kind of the next level of fidelity that kind of you know again kind of really really impacted me and, and made me imagine my own stories in this world and how I would make a story in that world or whatever. So I think that's from the kind of like that side of it, the kind of the conceptual story side. And then from the more technical side, it was, you know, later when I was getting into, um, I I went to a, um, uh, a technical camp, uh, as a kid, as a like young teen, uh, ID tech camps, um, here. And, uh, so they had, you know, programs that were, simple game building with, you know, uh, uh, you know, the FBS creator and like very, very simple, uh, you know, uh, RPG, RPG maker and stuff like that. But then they also had, um, more advanced courses that you could do using, um, you know, uh, Unreal and using, uh, the Battlefront, uh, or, uh, Battlefield, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. you know, uh, and so like once I started getting to that, that was more of the technical side of it of like actually okay i'm making a level here i'm gonna you know uh get more into the technical side of it i guess that's really really cool and uh fascinating you pick out final fantasy 10 i can't help but notice and sorry audio uh, i mean it's a podcast <laughs> people aren't gonna aren't gonna be able to see this but i can't help but notice a, an auron statue in the background there so final fantasy 10 is a really important one for you i guess more specifically it was a it was a really big one it's funny i uh, i just um I just finished. I've been meaning to play through the uh, remaster uh, oh, yeah? for for a couple of years, and so I just actually finished uh, playing through the remaster uh, on my uh, Steam Deck, uh, and it still holds up. It's still great. It's still amazing. So I, I'm I'm happy to to report it's still a fantastic game. But yeah, that was a really influential one for sure. Yeah, um, I, I certainly remember playing that game myself and was really quite blown away, especially in terms of things like, and I know people kind of mock the the laughing scene, but like things like the the, the VO and the, the prominence of that compared to what we'd seen one generation prior. I mean, Final Fantasy IX is still to this day my favourite game of, of all time, mm-hmm. but I couldn't help but notice some stark contrast between 9 and 10 oh, yeah. when, when, when it arrived from that from that technical fidelity to the VO to there's a host of different things that came along in that entry that really shook up oh, the industry in a number of ways but um and start to establish some standards and, and new norms there but at the same time you know the characters themselves the story the world was just stunning absolutely absolutely you know i think you can do storytelling with lots of different levels of fidelity but it, it does help at least it helped me having that high level of fidelity it's like okay i no longer have to imagine you know that these pixels are people i can see that they're I can see you know, people you know uh, and, and i can use my imagination for just further out further fleshing out of the world or you know other other yep. things and that so um yeah that was a really really impactful one yeah it's it's a really really cool game and you mentioned the the tech camps there and that that's i guess an interesting chapter in your career journey because you went on to be an instructor there as well is that right i did yeah uh i went there for uh, gosh i guess like four years as a as a camper and then kind of my uh my last uh, year there as a, as a camper when I was just not, uh, just I was like 17, if yeah. 18, to be a, a counselor there. So I uh, was talking with a, a counselor that had worked there for a couple of years. I had become 
friends with, and uh, sort of he helped me get in touch with uh, my last year as a camper with the regional manager and like be like, hey, like I, I really want to do this, you know, I'd love to uh, be a camper here. So um, yeah, a guy named uh, Mark Moreno uh, was a counselor who, who really helped encourage me and kind of like, you know, was like, yeah, dude, go for it. Like, you know, do this, you know, become a, a counselor here and, and keep going on, uh, you know, kind of the journey to, to become a game dev and stuff, so. I mean, they, these things in, in a lot of different walks of life are kind of secular in the first place. There's a, there's always a, a point early days where you are, you're really just taking. You're, you're taking and taking and taking from from the, the experienced people around you, your peers, the experts, whatever it happens to be, before you finally get a chance to kind of give back. And it's mm-hmm. um, it's really, really cool that you got that opportunity. And of course, as a teacher, there's kind of a, there's a little bone that's being pricked in there. It's like, you know, always stoked to hear those sorts of stories that people in, in that sense kind of being able to give back and share that knowledge and, and help that next crop coming through for want of a better phrase but um there was a whole bunch of different aspects that you did focus on while you're there you're doing some t- uh, 2d game design teaching i should say uh modding with unreal there's some web design and some other aspects as well um were there any particular disciplines there that you really found some challenge in conveying more more so than others uh i mean i'd say just from a, like a, a base level i think i was less good at the web design stuff so yeah, right. <laughs> it was difficult to, to convey but um you know i think a big part of that, you know, I hope that the people that I was, I was counseling, you know, camp counseling there got, uh, you know, uh, you know, enjoyment out of what they seem to and, and, you know, whatever. But I think that there is a, there's a huge benefit for me just in, you know, teaching those, those concepts back to other people to have to find different ways to describe basic game design concepts to people. It forces you to kind of see it from a couple of different perspectives and yeah. the, you know, you know, if, if one analogy or metaphor is not clicking for somebody, you have to come up with another one. And, you know, uh, I think it, it ended up, you know, if anything, strengthening my, uh, you know, understanding or ability to communicate yep. or think about, uh, you know, those, those topics. So that was, uh, that was honestly really, really helpful for me. Uh, and that's something that I definitely try to continue to do as I, as I go forward and, uh, you know, in life, like I, I, jumping forward a little bit I went to college and got a degree for this and then I've I've tried to go back and and you know review students games and stuff like that and uh, continue to be you know connected to the to the college for for that kind of stuff yeah again I mean one of the, one of those things that even within my profession one of the things that we kind of really even stress to the students that we teach is like when when you're actually able to sit uh, stop and convey it to someone else when you're able to explain it and teach someone else that's when you've kind of developed that sort of mastery i guess it's i guess there's there's certain um walks of life certain careers where i guess you can never totally master something there's always room for improvement there's always growth and certainly uh, your own industry is, is absolutely one of those but there's a there's a next step that comes with being able to convey it to others so i'm sure that was really really cool and interesting for you but one of the things that really interests me the most about that as i was kind of you know reading and compiling my notes is that you were you were working with students that range from seven to 17 years old now now i'm a high school teacher professionally so i'm working with 13 to 18 year olds and so that's in terms of a maturity level there's there's a, still a little bit of a range there but it is more contained seven to 17 is is a much larger gap and so um i'm really kind of fascinated as to how um how you went with with that massive range and maturity level 
Absolutely. Sorry if there's a, there's a leaf blower outside my outside. I I'm sure that'll be done soon enough. Audio, but uh, we'll clean it I'll, up. <laughs> I'll, just be, I'll just be louder. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it, it is a huge jump, and and it is you know. Um, fortunately, a lot of that wasn't using the same tech, right? So like, there's age limits for the people that are going to use Unreal have to be you know the 13 to 17 yep. kind of range, right? Uh, and and it was kind of like okay, the younger kids are going to stick to 2D stuff and and very simple, you know. Uh, you know, drag and drop kind of, uh, oh, yeah, okay. uh, you know, kind of, uh, controls and, and, uh, you know, FPS creator, or RPG maker or whatever. Um, so, you know, tech side that was helpful, but it is again, like just again, to de- define for somebody why you know, who's really, really, really young, like, Oh, this game that you made that can't be won. That's not fun. You know, yeah. like, like, you know, there's like a lot of, of, of kids. So I, it's funny that that's such a common thing, but like, um, you know, really young kids are like, oh, I made this game and, and you can't win it. And they're like, that's the trick. You know, it's like, oh, you're, I'm going to make you play this thing and, and it's impossible to win. Beat your head against the wall, yeah. Right. And it was kind of like, I, I get that, like, that is a funny, it's almost like a game that they're playing to, to beat me by making a game that I can't win. And it's like, I get that that's, you know, fun or funny, but if you want to actually be game designer you're not working against the player you're working trying to them, make yeah. something that you know can challenge them but that, that you want them to win you know kind of that kind of thing is, is a little hard to conceptualize but it, you know it's something that uh you definitely have to focus on more it's something that you know young kids would not come to as easily as as uh you know teenagers so I mean that that conversation about the the ability to to succeed or win in in a particular game is a, is a really fascinating one when we're in an environment where you know the the souls games get so often discussed in this sort of space in terms of their accessibility and that on in the, on that side of the fence obviously there's the the other um accessibility points that are a point of discussion as well but through mm. through that difficulty lens like that that's a it's a really tight line to walk um no for sure it's it's funny yeah it's a good point that you bring up that like the kind of the low level of the conversation is no, don't make an impossible game, and the the kind of but that that same conversation is happening at a high level of like, okay, yeah, do we want to even have an easy mode or, you know, uh, you know certainly, uh, are we going to make this game accessible for people who, who have uh, you know different uh, you know disabilities like yeah. they're not going to be able to, you know, oh you can't beat this if you're colorblind, <laughs> you know, or something like that. Like is that make sense or or you know and there's people that have different opinions on that i i'm definitely of the opinion of being more accessible uh kind of in all ways, but um but yeah and certainly i mean it's obviously you touched on really important ones like you know um some some form of disability or some sort of impeding factor like you know color blindness or or multiple other different things that uh that could affect the experience in that way but even as someone who's just kind of shit at soulsborns if they want to just add an easy mode like that'd be fantastic because totally. <laughs> i just and, i look at them i try i get broken i cry and that's it <laughs> and, and, and you know i think a lot of people do think of accessibility in the kind of like they think of it as a very hard and fast kind of like skill built based thing or as like is it being built for somebody who has a disability or not and i think that what they're missing you know if you also listen to you know um you know, advocates that are, that are, you know, and experts that are talking about this disability is not, um, it's not a 
A, it's obviously a spectrum, but B, it's also not a constant state of being, you know? Yeah. Like, if I break my arm, I have a disability for a certain amount of time. Yeah. You know, I might not be able to, to, to button mash, you know, or, or, or whatever. Like, accessibility is not, you know, it should be something that's not uh, defined just for a very select group of people. It's just making in general it's any and all that yeah. are you know that are for that are make things easier for anybody yeah um you know so it's something that um you know wh- whether that's yeah whether that's i need to turn on closed captioning because you know i got a, a baby sleeping in the next room and i can't turn the volume up loud and i want we've got a leaf blower outside or... <laughs> or a leaf blower or, or you know but like you know truly any you know anything can fall under you know a reason why somebody might need to use accessibility options so um you know leaving them out uh, wholesale i think is is doing a disservice uh, yeah. you know just in terms of you're just not being that flexible or, or for your player um so um there's a lot of good very good reasons to to make accessible games one of these days i cross my fingers and hope that purely on that difficulty side that they the, there's a there's yeah. a pull mode that gets added into into a souls one i can actually crack this egg but until then um We'll continue to watch this this discussion debate uh, be debated and rage in the future. Um, you obviously you obviously mentioned college. Another another aspect there is also the emergent media center. You spent a few months there um, doing some work as well. I mean those those two chapters. What was what was that kind of like? And I guess what fed into what? Yeah. So the uh, I've been looking around for uh, for different colleges. Uh, I know some people. I don't know. New Zealand is it colleges or universities? But how do they? Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't know about New Zealand. Um, or uh, no, I think. Yeah, I think. I think. I think their university is the same as Australia. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So uh, you know, I, I, college. You know, here in the US is is just after high school. Uh, yeah. After our, you know, um, but uh, I was looking around for for some sort of um, schooling that would would focus on on game design specifically. Um, uh, fortunately, my mom was a uh, college counselor and helped people find <laughs> different colleges. So yeah. very quickly, I uh, found a, a Champlain College in, uh, in Burlington, Vermont, um, which is some place I visited and, and really loved. Uh, and the, one of the things I loved about it is that I was able to go there and kind of immediately start uh, classes and, and work that would lead towards my major. You know, so it wasn't wait two years doing other kind of general coursework and then eventually getting into you know game uh related classes it was a full four-year kind of yeah. like you can do game classes the whole time um but uh but yeah so that was something that i i, I really pushed uh for uh for finding and was really happy to find um you know uh i don't think it's necessary there's a lot of debate about people that uh you know have uh you know game degrees or, or whether it's necessary or not um I really enjoyed and valued my time. I, I don't think it's necessary specifically for anybody to, to have a degree in, in game design to you know get into the industry. Um, but it was yes. very helpful for me in terms of um, getting a, a lot of good experience doing project-based uh, team projects. You know that were uh, that were games, uh, and it was a, a very good way for me to get that experience um, and and learning. You know and, and get into a habit of learning how to learn new engines you know like i had not touched much of like a full unreal uh, you know i kind of touched a little bit of it but not yeah. like the 
the full extent of what it could do. And, and, you know, I hadn't touched unity at all and hadn't touched, you know, uh, you know, a, a lot of other different engines and that kind of going there and having multiple team based, um, projects to do kind of allowed me to get that experience and jump and grab different tools and get used to different tool sets. And I think that's very valuable. I think, you know, being able to quickly learn, uh, new tool sets is, is something that's very important, you know? Um, yeah. So, um, uh, well, I mean, but, that you know, beyond that, it's, it's exposure to things that you may not have otherwise necessarily gotten the exposure to if you're if you're doing these things from home and trying to learn, you know, t- you know self-taught and all those sorts of things. There's the networking components. There's there's all yeah. those other key pillars that are. I mean, you get exposed to new ideas when you're surrounded by lots of people. It's just a, it's just a reality of how any sort of workspace can work. And totally, um, totally. And so there's there's so much that can be learned from that too. It, absolutely, and it has been a huge networking uh, benefit for me and. And it has been, um, you know, uh, you know, even now, like as I mentioned, before, you know, before that, I've kind of gone back and and uh, you know reviewed different games at the school, or or you know sat in on a, a class or whatever, and just kind of given some feedback on a project. That's super valuable to me as well. I mean, there's a very specific mindset that I feel like you can ha- one can have in, in college that's very different from you know when you're doing. Uh, you know, work for, you know, for a job, like when you have kind of like, Oh, there's no money based on this at all. I can just a go freedom. wherever I want creatively, you know, like, it, yeah, it's a really kind of different mindset and it's really inspiring and kind of, you know, exciting to go back and see people that yeah. are in that mindset and kind of, you know, get that kind of rejuvenation and kind of remember like, Oh yeah. Like I, I remember, you know, this idea I had or, or that idea, or like, it's just exciting to, to remember how cool you know it is that we can uh you know work on games you know like that alone is is definitely a great benefit so um that was uh that was definitely uh a really important uh, step for me and and i'm really happy that uh i, I went and, and did that uh and then working at the they had the uh the mc was a uh kind of a small studio run by the school that yes. did um kind of small projects for for different clients um, that were, uh, you know, mostly interactive media, uh, not always 100% games, but, uh, you know, sometimes it was like a training tool for somebody that was, you know, sl- slightly interactive or whatever. But it was another, again, just kind of a, a good experience. I was only there for a short time, but uh, it was a good experience to just kind of get, you know, okay, now here's what it's like when you are working on this. As in that job, formalized you know, capacity yeah you know exactly when it, when you can't you know your hours are are more specific and you have specific deadlines that you know aren't uh aren't just finished by the end of the semester that that are that you actually have like oh we need this this week or you know whatever so yeah i'm with you um and so how did from that and those, those experiences as you as you said the mc was kind of a, a shorter stint well i guess kind of continuing that sort of uh train there your your next step, assuming I haven't missed anything along the way, uh, was LucasArts and Star Wars thirteen thirteen, where you were working on for for a few months as well. How did that opportunity emerge in the first place? I believe it was as an intern, though. Correct. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the things our uh, sort of uh, uh, guidance counselor or, or uh, career counselor at, at uh, Champlain, uh, Daphne Walker, had uh, suggested, you know, to a lot of people was just go for internships like in between junior and senior year like it anything that you can do you know any experience that you can get in between those years is, is good experience know, is going to help you yeah. when you come out of senior year and you want to you know look for for 
a more direct drop. So, yep. um, I'm a, I'd say Star Wars is like the, the one, uh, fandom for me above all, like I have a lot of fandoms, big nerd, but Star Wars is like the, God the fandom that is the, the, yeah, the highest, uh, held the highest for me. So, you know, it was something that I, um, you know, looked up and saw that they had a, you know, uh, uh, level design intern uh, position and and applied for it. I uh, was really excited. I don't, you know, I, it's you know a lot of pure luck, <laughs> you know, getting oh, uh, stuff, uh, getting getting any sort of like uh, thing back. You know, I, I did get back a uh, uh, a request for for a design test, and uh, I actually crazy story about that. I was uh, I was on spring break uh, in Istanbul. Yep. I got the email that uh, that I needed to turn in a design test by Monday, uh, and I how do I do was, that? <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was I got the email on a Wednesday. I wasn't slated to return to the U.S. until Saturday, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, uh, I need to change some things around. And flew back early, drove through a snowstorm, and got back to my Ooh. my place and and. Uh, like literally went out and got graph paper in Istanbul and for the flight home was like paper mapping out, uh, you know, uh, my design test, uh, so that you could get home uh, and then just get straight to work. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's full on. uh, you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta, you gotta want it. You gotta, you know, uh, push it a little bit. So, but that was a, a thing that, yeah, they love, they, they liked the design test and gave me the offer and I was, I was ecstatic about that. Yeah. It was a huge, huge experience for me. No, that's 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 really really cool. And then um, ultimately working on a on a game like Star Wars thirteen thirteen, which is so I guess there's there's still even to this day so much speculation and rumbling and noise about that one and the mm-hmm. the what if conversations that pop up. I mean, what was it like to actually work on that on that project? And um, I mean, I don't know what you are in a position to uh, to be able to share, but um, at this point, well, like, I mean, it was just like such a you know it's such a legendary thing in general to work at LucasArts and. You know, uh, it was like truly beyond like any any dream. Like it was a place that I would love to have ended up. So like to get there, you know, uh, first thing, uh, you know, was was shocking. And again, this is before Disney bought, uh, yeah, uh, you know, LucasArts or Lucasfilm. Um, so I, you know, I showed up my first day. I walked past George Lucas, like. <laughs> You know, and that's that Star Wars absurd. fan going nuts inside, right? I mean, like I, I was truly like, you know, like in, in this beautiful campus that they have there and in SF, and like I mean, it was like the entire time I was, I was, I promise, I was like pinching myself and just being like, this is so far beyond what I could possibly have have wished for. Um, so like, I, I I didn't take it for granted. Uh, I think I think I can safely say. I mean, it was really really. Um, awesome to be and i loved every second of, of, of showing up as early as i could and and uh you know um just trying to soak up any sort of information i mean it was, yeah. it was we were in pre-production at the time um i started i guess let's see uh two weeks or a week uh before the e3 trailer uh had dropped all right um and that was, I think, about like a week after they had decided to change it from a, a you know generic guy to Boba Fett as the the, the lead character, and uh, uh, so the the trailer didn't have Boba, but uh, the game had had just gotten Boba Fett in, uh, or just 
that change happened in the first week, I think. Um, but uh, exciting time to get on board. Yeah, it, it was uh, both. It's also like my favorite characters from Star Wars, so uh, uh, you know, it was, it was all lining up. It was very, very perfect. Uh, but um, but yeah, no, it was really exciting. Uh, you know, to join in and immediately have something that you know blew up. Obviously, at E three, it was. I felt very, very lucky that you know uh, uh, to join in something that people were so hyped about immediately. Um, you know. Uh, and there was a lot of a lot of learning, a lot of stuff that I hadn't done in a full sense. You know, it was, it was a, a full production. It was a, a large production uh, pre-pro, right? You know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff where I just worked on, you know, traversal gems or yep. you know, sample combat encounters, stuff that I had never done. You know, never had time to do for any sort of college project or, or anything like that, but are necessary to a full-scale um you know game so uh it was a huge huge uh uh opportunity for me to learn and and to see kind of how the different systems are built you know and how they go from simple ideas to tuning them and and working with just an unbelievably talented group um of people that was you know you know there were all people that had been there for for many years and that were you know a bunch of my favorite games i'm just like casually mentioning they're like oh yeah i worked on that like yeah that you know i could spinning. ask anybody or anything you know uh that was that was like just yeah uh, a hugely um impactful uh summer for me and that, that was something that um definitely cherished and, and, and learned a, a hell of a lot about just how to do the sort of the the brass tacks of, of making an actual game uh, and, and doing some very, very early work on uh, actual, uh, you know, level design. Uh, and so, as I mean, obviously anyone listening knows kind of how how things played out for the game. Um, I presume based on what you were saying there about the timing that you were actually involved in the project, I, I suspect you never sensed that was coming at the time. Um, at the time, no. <laughs> no, no. That was something that, uh, you know, yeah, so summer of 2012 and then... Um, you know, it was something that, uh, it's funny, they, uh, I had been approached about if I would consider staying on and not, uh, not going back uh, for my, my final year of college. Yeah. There's something that I wanted to do to get, get my degree and finish that out. Um, you know, but it was something that I was certainly was planning after college. Hey, you know, this game's not going to be done. And, and, you know, they, they can know I, come me. Back? I know their tools. I know, you know, like I had actively talked about them like, Hey, like I can come back in. Right. And they're like, Oh yeah, totally. So, uh, you know, um, that was something where, uh, I was definitely planning to, to go straight back to it. Yep. And it was kind of like, Oh, huh. Like there's a, well, I was talking to them kind of throughout the year and I would get like a, yeah, we're on this hiring freeze. We're not really sure what, you know, the deal All is. Right. But, should be over by the time that you get here, you know, no problem. Uh, and then I actually went and, uh, you know, then Disney bought them and that was like, okay, wow, that's, that's, you know, uh, some, some news, but it was something that felt like it would probably be good about. news. Yeah. 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 Lucas starts, especially near the kind of the, the end, uh, years had kind of had a, a couple of, of presidents that had kind of come and gone. And so it was like, maybe Disney will offer some, you know, stability being yeah. this larger, you know, company. So, um, you know, it wasn't a negative thing necessarily. So I was like, okay, cool. I know that they're still hiring freeze, but 
you know, I, uh, I went to GDC for the first time, uh, that year in the spring and, and, uh, you know, since it's also in San Francisco, I yep. met up with, uh, my, my mentor Joe Ching, uh, there and, uh, went back to the office and, you know, said, Hey to everybody, saw the build and, you know, kind of saw where the latest was. And, and then it was like a week or two after having been in the office Seeing you know, saying hi to everybody, that they announced that it was uh, that it was shut down and that LucasArts was going to be completely completely done and the games were canceled and stuff, uh, which you know yeah, it's pretty full was on. Shocking, what's that? Yeah, it's pretty full on. I mean, yeah, especially yeah. with such a short window in time. And I guess I guess that's the reality of how a lot of these closures sometimes happen is that the the people on the floor tend to not know it's coming, and then all of a sudden, right, the Apple Car right. is upset completely. It, it was it was surprising, uh, at least to me, um, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, and I felt, you know, I was I, obviously there was kind of the personal oh crap, <laughs> that's where I was hoping to get get into, you know. Uh, and then there was kind of the, and also everybody, you know, uh, that I knew there was was now also like oh, scrambling for to, to find a job, yeah. and um, you know, uh, I know that the. Um, sort of the game director and, and, and executive producer um, uh, on the, on that project, Don Rebilliard and, and Gio Corsi, uh, worked very hard to make sure that everybody, you know, they worked with, you know, the people to get them jobs and, and to make sure that they were seen by other companies. And, which and is awesome. Up, you know, uh, you know, before they even figured out their own stuff, which was really awesome. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, the, you know, a lot of incredible talent that was all summed on the market. So, you know, uh, they were scooped up, I think, relatively quickly. Um, but uh, it turned out, you know, I think to be somewhat of a, a blessing for me in that, you know, I mean, I obviously would have loved to go back and work on 1313 and finish it out. But uh, all of a sudden, instead of having a bunch of people that I knew at this one place in the Bay Area, I knew... A bunch of people at a bunch of different places yeah it kind of uh, helps i guess networking area, wise you know? yeah so like once i i finally uh uh got out there i landed a job at uh, uh crystal dynamics you know i had uh, friends that were at some friends that were at crystal some people were at visceral some people were at uh sledge you know a bunch of different places so and so obviously you say that you were heading in with just a couple of weeks before the game was ultimately axed at that stage i mean Obviously, you were talking about how no one necessarily saw it coming, but I guess how did you perceive the game at that particular point, and what what were you seeing um, in it? I guess. I mean, it, you know, it had continued to to progress, and and they, you know, uh, continued to to move. I guess uh, into the beginnings of, of production. So I mean, it it was something that uh, you know was still actively moving forward. Um, you know, uh, still had some, you know systems that are being developed and stuff like that. I think recently they, there's a, a leak of uh, some video from like a chase scene. Yes. Uh, I do recall that coming you know, out. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, that, uh, I don't, I think I had seen some early, some early, early stuff that I had seen before it was, was actually made, like, you know, before I left. Um, but like, you know, the rest of, uh, the game was kind of, yeah, in the, in progress, you know, be, being, being made kind of, uh, state but um you know everybody was still working on it and, and happy to to be pushing forward and and did not uh <laughs> did not see everything coming different you know um at least uh from my my reading nobody did but um but yeah uh 
I think, it, you know, it's one of those things where it'll always be, you know, a, a one that got away and it's a shame and, and I wish, uh, wish people could have seen like what it would have been. Um, cause I think it would have been really cool. Um, but you know, a lot of that time has, has moved on. It's kind of a, become a weird thing where obviously it moved on for a while. It was kind of, you know, visceral had their own, uh, you know, game that Amy yeah, had a similar sort of story. Yeah. Was working on that was, you know, close in some ways. And, and I knew some people were working on that and that had some, yeah, some similarities here and there. It was trying to certainly be its own thing as well. And then obviously a lot of, there's like even people that have moved on, uh, to Jedi Fallen Order, you know, and, and worked on Jedi Fallen Order. So there's bits and pieces that, you know, third-person action adventure game in Star Wars Universe. It's a very um, enticing prospect and just keeps luring you in. Yeah, so, so you know, it's something that um, I was really excited. I, you know, I'd say certainly a lot less uh, crossover between Jedi Fallen Order and, and 1313 uh, in terms of any sort of story or anything like that, but in terms of just, you know... Um, you know, kind of was the spiritual successor, and so it was awesome to see that. I'm super pumped. I have a lot of friends that are on the uh, the Jedi, Jedi Survivor, Survivor uh, game, even some people that uh, I've worked with back at Lucas that kind of made their way around to some other places and then uh, ended up back at, at Respawn uh, working on that. So I'm super happy for them that that's uh, looking really exciting. Uh, you know, I think it sounds like we're gonna hear some stuff uh yeah, so words for for that so it's it's a weird vacuum that we're in that we're recording this on the eve of the game awards where right. we'll supposedly be hearing a lot about it well i guess ea is basically confirmed at this point we're gonna be hearing a lot about it um yeah within the next 24 hours so it's a weird yeah. vacuum that we're in that uh, we're both incredibly excited but we'll also both be really excited i'm sure once by the time this exactly. thing actually goes to air weird time stuff anyway um so yeah you mentioned obviously that uh a lot of those connections, a lot of those people you knew kind of dispersed all over the place. And I assume from what you were saying that kind of helped create that opportunity for you to join Crystal Dynamics. I think it did somewhat. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it certainly made me feel a lot more confident. Uh, you know, maybe that was the best thing for it. But, you know, in terms of connecting and talking with people that were in the Bay Area and I, I had been, you know, spent that summer there and so that helped. And, you know, uh, I was able to, you know, message a few people and be like hey how how is crystal like you know tell me if that's if there's like you know horrible uh experiences there let me know uh you know so i was able to kind of check in and kind of see get a feeling and a vibe off of uh uh off of crystal at the time um which helps there yeah totally uh and it was actually it's funny i uh that same gdc that i had visited the office i had also done uh crystal often does a gdc uh, student day where they yep. have uh, they rent out like a, a bar and just have students can come in and, and kind of quickly show portfolio stuff ask people ask people questions uh, you know kind of learn a little more so I went to one of those uh, and uh, had talked to uh, a designer a really great designer uh, uh, that I ended up working with uh, Drew Hollyfield uh, about kind of the uh, the process uh, that Crystal went through in their level design and how they approach things, how they kind of, uh, what their pillars were for uh, their game design pillars for the uh, 2013 Tomb Raider uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the reboot. reboot. Um, so I was able to ask about that stuff and then I wrote down notes when I was talking to him and then uh, cut forward, you know, six or seven months and I was on the phone with his design manager, Michael Brinker, 
asked me questions and I was able to be like, oh, well, you know, I see that Crystal focuses on this and this and this. You well know, played. And, and, you know, uh, kind of just, uh, you know, uh, yeah, pair it back to him some uh, some of the stuff that Druid said. And, and uh, uh, he was like, yeah, this is, yeah, exactly. So, you tell me exactly <laughs> what I want to hear. Exactly, exactly. So uh, um, that helped definitely, I think, a lot uh, in terms of um, getting there. So, yeah, I started their uh, contract position um, as an associate uh, designer uh, for a six-month contract, and then I got that extended to another six-month contract, and then halfway through that second contract that they brought me on full-time. That's that's awesome to hear, and I guess across that time you worked on several different games from Rise of the Tomb Raider, interacted with Shadow. There's Marvel's Avengers in there too, and working on a whole bunch of. I mean, like I guess the title is game design, but as as anyone who listens to this show knows, there is so many different pieces to that puzzle, and I guess puzzle being an operative work because there was some puzzle design you got up to there was system design level design i'm rattling off a list here combat encounter design uh you're doing some object scripting with it um as as i just highlighted there's so many different facets to that and many more that i didn't even discuss then um were there any particular aspects to that across any of those games that i guess you really relished working on the most yeah i think puzzle design was kind of like the 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 working on side tombs and, and, and sort of the main uh, tombs and that. Uh, so I worked on a lot of side tomb stuff in Rise of the Tomb Raider uh, and actually did a thing for the DLC as well. And then uh, when I moved to Shadow of the Tomb Raider, I was the uh, primary puzzle uh, designer for the uh, tombs that, that Crystal did. That was a split production with Eidos. Yep. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, that was kind of like the most exciting. I, th- I think Rise was a huge uh, learning opportunity for me, and I kind of was coming in as that associate that was excited to learn more and, and hoping to, you know, uh, we started it at kind of at the end of pre-production, so we knew what the game was. They had had a previous game that kind of had really solidified, you know, what this reboot Tomb Raider world was, was about, about yeah. you know, you know, aesthetically and, and emotionally. Um, and so I was able to kind of just do, you know, a ton of learning throughout Rise, you know, and, and be able to kind of not be a specialist, but be the, you know, the guy that'll bounce around and, and help out with a lot of different things. So I was able to touch, I think I touched pretty much every system in, in Rise of the Tomb Raider. I mean, I really bounced around a heck of a lot um, just to anything that was needed to be done, which was really valuable for me. Uh, I really, oh, for sure. really uh, you know, appreciated the, the ability to do that and kind of, yeah, you know, touch challenges and side tombs and, uh, hunting system even and uh, oh, cool. you know like just tons and tons and tons of stuff on, on rise and then specialized for shadow uh, on the puzzle design which is kind of the thing that I think I was most interested in or, or was most excited by uh, you know yeah, I'd imagine uh, it'd be a really yeah. exciting challenge because puzzles like it's there's such a fine line between a good puzzle in a game and a and a poorer one um, right. and so kind of and, learning the ins and outs of that and how do I tune this just right that I'm not going to frustrate the player, but I'm also not going to yeah. have them walk through and think it's a breeze that I can kind of create something different each time that there's a, the, yeah, that these things are elaborate enough. That's there's a lot of different. And you know, the two meter puzzles are also different. Like I would, I would have to, uh, like when I was working with different people who are newer on this, uh, you know, once I got to shadow and I was a little bit more familiar with two meter and could, could work with people who are you know newer coming in and explain yeah. the differences between different ideas. Um, 
you know, I could look at something and be like, that's not a bad puzzle, but it's more of an Uncharted puzzle, and it's not a yep. Tomb Raider puzzle. You know, that you know, it's something that Uncharted puzzles, you know, are great, but they and they have like, you know, they have the ability to tr- reference the Notebook, and you know, uh, th- but they also focus a little bit more on, you know, spectacle and less on you being able to see the full mechanism like this this wheel turns this other thing on in the other room why i don't know it just, it does. just does like you know they're connected you and that's all you need to know whereas tomb raider is going to show you the gears that link them and you might need to interact and you know make a yeah, chain or make a you know kind of thing between them so um both are great i love uncharted to death uh you know so uh, but you know, two really fascinating different, different way, uh, ways to approach the same same right. scenario. Yeah, the, the, it, once you see something that's that similar in kind of like general concept of yeah, that of, top level bird's know, eye the, view. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. It's, it, you can really define the differences uh, at a, a lower, uh, more specific level, which is fun. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, uh, you know that was uh, uh, a huge. Uh, experience for me and and really played into you know stuff that i really enjoyed doing and and coming up with yeah the what is the what is an epic cinematic challenging but not too challenging kind of thing uh you know and and part of the two was like you know for main path puzzles they have to be more cinematic but less challenging yeah because people who don't like puzzles need to be able to get through want to you know yeah they're not going to enjoy having to sit there and really you know uh do something really super complex uh but uh, but they still want you know an epic feel. So it was yeah, it was really interesting. It was, it was uh, a lot of fun and and learning from people like Drew Hollyfield and, and learning from people like uh, uh, Jeff Wages was, was another designer who was kind of a puzzle master and um, uh, helped a lot in terms of learning how to to make that stuff. And uh, that was hugely informative. Yeah, very very cool. And so I guess um, working on both Rise and Shadow. There's a lot of differences then between you were you weren't there till the end of the project, but um, Marvel's Avengers obviously is a, is a very different sort of beast in a number of different respects. So what was what was your time like on that project? Yeah, very different. Uh, you know, it's funny though that we, we so I was on the single player campaign um, for for that, and uh, again some of those levels were split between uh, Idos and, and Crystal. Um, yeah. So I did a lot of levels with. Uh, uh, Kamala, um, but uh, yeah, that was, it was interesting. When we first moved over, we sort of created, you know, we were like figuring out how much change there needs to be. What, you know, because we wanted to bring, uh, you know, Marvel stuff a little bit into more of the like gritty, oh, yeah, you okay. know, yeah, yeah. kind of realism, kind of, you know, the idea, the way we expressed that was kind of like, more of a graphic novel feel, you know, uh, yep. to, yeah, I can, to I can follow this, that. you know, as opposed to like a fantastic, you know, issue to issue kind of feeling. So uh, we wanted it to kind of come a little bit more gritty, but then obviously we wanted, you know, not to be as gritty as, as like Lara Croft, you know, is in, in Tomb Raider. Uh, we wanted it to be, you know, more fantastical, more, uh, uh, I guess, broad than, than that. So, you know, it took us a little while to like, you know, we'd make a level and be like, especially because we were, we started off with uh, Kamala. It was like very, you know, third person adventure game with a female protagonist. 
uh, I think we started with uh, Desert Helicarrier, like finding finding the this broken down Helicarrier in the desert. So it was kind of like, you know, if you squinted, you could be like, mm, this mic maybe could be a Tomb Raider level. You know, you can so see like, like the lightest threads we, we gotta connecting. Figure out ways to push it more and more towards the uh, the the more fantastical and and you know more super heroic kind of uh, uh, lens. So that was very different. Um, you know, working with Marvel is different than than working on a on IP that uh, you know company owns. Um, I mean, Tomb Raider has a huge history as well, so there's things that people expect, and it's you know, uh, it's still an IP that has a lot of identity. Uh, but at the same time, with Crystal it. were the stewards of that franchise, as opposed to right. uh, as opposed to this case with Avengers, where you've got a an external body that has a, a vested interest right. in it. And, and and I mean Marvel's been great uh, about all, the, all any game that I've worked on that's Marvel based they've been great about you know being flexible there and pushing for kind of the own vision of it. But you know it is just a, an extra step of like oh we could get this feedback coming in you know from another place, it's another source of feedback that you could you could potentially get stuff where it's like oh, I don't know about this or that you know uh, so that was kind of a yeah working on a, a more licensed IP. Um, was a good experience to, to kind of figure out how to how to how to do that and um, how to manage that, which I think came down to just getting more uh, clear ideas up on screen earlier. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so, so I could have that time to go through all of the different um, you know layers of, of people looking at it and stuff. So yeah, I'm with you, and not being afraid to be bold you know, with some stuff. Which I think is important in, in all sorts of walks of game right. design and, and life more broadly. So um, that's fantastic. And all, all credit to you. I mean, you obviously talk about like a lot of the Kamala stuff was something you'd worked on. And I'm, I'll admit that some of the Kamala stuff was my among my absolute favorite parts of, of the, the Marvel's Avengers experience. So I guess a, a thank you from me there in terms of what you created <laughs> in, that, in that space. For sure. um, so between 20, oh, well, in, during 2019, uh, a, a move, a, ch- a, a change of employers has occurred there that's taken you to your current employer, Insomniac Games. How did how did uh, the time come to move on from Crystal and start at Insomniac emerge for you? Yeah, well, that was something that, um, you know, it, I knew some people uh, who had both worked at Insomniac previously. Like, I, I worked very closely with long time at Crystal with uh, uh, Rowan Belden Clifford, uh, yep. who's... Uh, uh, design lead right now, but he was. I'd worked with him as a um, on the single player stuff for uh, uh, for Avengers for a long time. He had started at Insomniac and had just had talked about how great it was. And then uh, Brian Horton, uh, yep. who was creative director on Rise of the Tomb Raider, who I really enjoyed, really liked working with. Um, you know, was at Insomniac uh, working on Miles at the time, um, and uh, you know, was somebody that I. I missed working with somebody that I felt um, kind of approached things very similar to me uh, in terms of like being excited to, to, you know, fight for ideas and, and figure out what is the best one and whoever has the best one will go with that. And then yep. we'll just be excited about, you know, that. So, uh, and so, yeah, it was just kind of a, you know, a culmination of that kind of stuff. And, you know, Avengers, I've obviously been working on for quite some time uh, at that point, you know, half my time at, Crystal was, was Avengers, right? So it was like three years. Um, and it just seemed like a very good opportunity to move to a new place to learn from different 
people. Yeah. While while still knowing that I would be able to you know work really well with like Horton and stuff like that, and I knew that it was a another place that had a lot of great talent and. Um, not that I learned everything that everybody has to, to, to teach at Crystal, but it seemed like it was a, a good time for me to just change of pace shift over into a new place. Yeah. And, and, and learn more, uh, from, from, uh, more people. So, uh, that was something that, uh, uh, yeah, I was excited to do. Uh, I don't know why, but all of my like moving companies stories have some sort of frantic thing attached with it. I was going to fly down for an interview, uh, I woke up that morning and my flight had been canceled. Oh no! Uh, but I woke up early enough that I just decided to drive instead. So I all right. I drove the the like uh, five and a half hours from from SF to to LA. Uh, You're right, there is a theme emerging here. And, and yeah, yeah, and the, and uh, and did the interview and drove back that night. So. Um, <laughs> so yeah. basically what you're trying to say uh, is whenever the next move happens and i'm not sorry i'm not trying to push him out the door i promise <laughs> um whenever that happens and you've you've been you've agreed to an interview i mean assuming they don't do it remotely or anything like that just make sure you disclose to them like hey something is probably going to go wrong in the day so if you can grant me a little right. bit of flexibility in my ability yeah. to get here <laughs> then that'd be fantastic yeah, if i make any if i make any frantic trips maybe uh you know look out but no just was, bear with me yeah uh but yeah uh but yeah, I enjoyed really uh, talking to everybody there and, and have moved over. Um, and uh, I did move down to LA five months before the pandemic struck. Uh, so, uh, you know, new place and uh, had some friends that I had recently moved there as well and stuff. So I got to see a little bit of them before we were all locked in our apartments. Uh, but uh, uh, was able to work in the office some and, and get to know some people a little bit more personally. Uh, you know, uh, and started uh, working on uh, Ratchet and Clank uh, Rift Apart, um, which was really interesting for me. I mean, it was something that I guess it was the first time that I had, um, I don't know, I was like a little bit nervous about it just because I, I liked Ratchet and Clank, but I was not a huge, you know, diehard fan of it. Whereas like, like Lara Croft was very much up my alley, very much action adventure, yep. you know, right in the wheelhouse kind of stuff. You know, same thing. With, I, I'm a big Marvel fan, so Avengers was was similar, and obviously Star Wars. So it was the first game that I worked on professionally where I wasn't, uh, you know, immediately. I wasn't coming in with a, a history of a huge fandom with it. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, I, I found out that I, I'm a, a huge fan of uh, game design, <laughs> so it still is enjoyable and and uh, still something that I loved and learned to love the franchise a whole lot more uh working on it and uh that was that was really awesome and just working on something that's this gen is is totally different that you know uh in terms of what some of the stuff we could do technologically that was really really awesome so so you're obviously yeah you're obviously touching on some i guess if we just look at that top level the you know engaging some of the same disciplines that you'd engage with at crystal in terms of uh the combat encounter design and some level design as well but um I guess what what makes it so different. I I feel like I've got an understanding on a purely consumer side of the fence, but um, I guess how does that differ in terms of the way you approach the design of a Ratchet and Clank game versus the way you might approach something like a like a yeah. Lara Croft adventure? It was it was so there was a couple of different factors I think with it. You know, part of it is um, obviously for me new studio, so there's just like new new techniques, new tool set, yeah. stuff that I had to learn up, you know, kind of on that stuff. Um, you know, uh, 
So there's that side of it. There's I focused a lot more on combat uh, for Ratchet and Clank than I had previously. So you know, um, I learned from really really impressive uh, you know people that were working there, like Joel Goodsell and and Mark Stewart and, and stuff. People that have this huge history of of insane amount of knowledge about how to do you know uh, all the stuff and had all these lessons for for me on combat, which was really awesome. Uh, and then uh, Ratchet and Clank is just so, you know, it, you can get away with very different things. Whereas, like, in, uh, you know, Tomb Raider or even Avengers, you know, every, like, for, like, a simple thing, like, every grapple point, you know, that you swing from has to have, you know, a very clear and identifiable visual language, but it has to also be a part of a tree that could theoretically be there and... and you know, it can be more grounded in that mountain. sense. You have to understand it, you know, where it has to be a lot more grounded, yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, in Ratchet & Clank, it's like, well, there's a floating, uh, you know, skyhook thing Because there. it is. And it's like, why? And it's like, well, people use it, I guess. You know, it's like, <laughs> okay. like you know, there's certainly just like a less, you know, not to say everything is, is, is game, but a lot more things are game than, you know, than, uh, than other stuff. So, um and, and you can make sillier jokes and make sillier kind of an environments. You know, there still has to be a, a, a certain level of logic, but it's just a very different level than, than um, you know, with, with uh, Tomb Raider or Avengers or anything like that. So it was really freeing to kind of be able to, you know, sure, this is fun and it's funny and it works, so that, let's go with it. You know, you don't, and I don't have to... You know, again, like I was talking about with the puzzles for Tomb Raider, it's really important that those puzzles feel somewhat realistic and feel like you can connect the gears to how everything works, you know, and, and follow the chain and tinker with this real mechanism yeah. that feels real um, and, and and has a historical basis. And, you know, like, that's, that's a lot of thinking on that kind of side of it, you know, that you throw away ideas because they don't fit one or two criteria there. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Whereas with Ratchet, it's a, you know, it's a lot more like, yeah, that sounds fun. And That's, yeah, it cool, funds so. at the core, right? Yeah. Which is, so I guess, cool where a great love of mine's come from. More prevalent. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess something that uh, many people listening may be familiar with that you've, that you've said over the journey was just shortly after the, the launch of um, Rift Apart, uh, you you were citing out like the 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 meta score had just come out. The reviews were starting to flow at that particular point, and uh, you you acknowledged something that is. I guess it, uh, the conversation hasn't really gone away, but I feel like at the time there was a really large conversation going on. And again, I don't think it's de-escalated that much, but it's. Uh, I think it might have even hit a peak at that particular stage about about crunch and out working hours and those sorts of things. And you you were quick to quick to cite the fact that. There was not an ounce of crunch in that time working the 40-hour 40, 40 weeks the, uh, the entire time that you were working on the game. Um, and that, that tweet got you a lot of got you a lot of attention, got a lot of commentary, mm. um, a lot of people kind of cite it and point to it. So I guess reflecting on that, I guess just maybe even looking to expand a little bit further on, on that, um, how, how, how does that look? Because I, th- I think we hear so many stories about even in small degrees, you know, okay, we might have had this period where we crunched for a couple of weeks. Like, you know, it wasn't consistent. It wasn't the the stuff that we necessarily mm-hmm. think of, but we, there was always a degree of it there from time to time. And you're talking about how there's, you know, there was none at all. How, how, I guess how does how does a studio get to that point where, because we always hear fantastic things about Insomniac, but how how do you, how do they get to that point? 
Well, I think, you know, first off, to be clear, like, I definitely can only speak to myself. I mean, I do, I do know people who, who did crunch, uh, you know, on that for various different reasons. And, uh, you know, but it is something that Insomniac is actively trying to, um, you know, eliminate. I think, I think personally, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to put that out there is just to give an example of a game that I thought was pretty good that was accomplished by, and not, at least not everybody had to, to, to crunch on that. Cause I feel like we get so many, there's just too many examples of, you know, great games that unfortunately we hear stories about crunch, you know, yes. in, in their development, you know, and, and people kind of associate that, you know, they make this assumption of, okay, well maybe crunch is not great, but if it is necessary to create something great, then, you know, maybe it's the calculus that you do. Um, I think that's a pretty cynical approach to it. I think that um, most places, I don't think, have that level of cynicism. Places that, you know, I mean, it varies a lot, but from my experience, a lot of places, you know, get into crunch as an unfortunate last resort or as an unfortunate, um, you know, it's a situation that they didn't want, but because it wasn't actively planned against, it might yeah. become something that... It, it becomes you know, a reality. Rises. It's kind of like... You know, I think it's kind of the the entropy of you know uh, the the video game dev universe leads towards needing to crunch. Um, so if you do nothing, then I think you're going to eventually have to crunch. If you uh, you know, and especially if you get into habits of relying on crunch, you know, to make to ship games, then you're definitely going to hit crunch. Um, but the, you know, you have to actively not just plan to be good and, and to get everything in on time. You have to plan actively against crunch, you yep. know? Um, you know, so that's kind of the, the stuff that you need to take. And that's something that I did when I was moving to Insomniac. Uh, you know, that was kind of as a, just a personal level of like, I'm not going to crunch. I've had, you know, bad personal experiences with, with crunch that, that led to, you know, health issues and stress related kind of, uh, you know, issues for me, and I was like, you know, I'm just not gonna do that anymore. That's yeah. not something that. And I'm sorry to hear know, that, by the way. And 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 it's you know it's something that shouldn't happen to to, to anybody, but it you know it's one of those things where it is tough when you're you're very passionate about something. Um, it's hard to to understand to, that you need that you know passion isn't directly one to one with time spent on, on yep. a project, you know, or thinking about it and that you actually, you know, very often will get to a place where you're more burnt out or less able to come up with unique ideas because you haven't had time away to get inspiration or to rest your brain or, you know, um, you know, a million different things that you can do that's not, that's not working. Um, that'll, you know, in the end, it'll make you a better, uh, dev to, to take that time away. Um, so that was something personally for me that I was like, I, I'm not going to, not going to crunch. I'm not going to, uh, you know, work extra time. So that was something that I came in with and was very clear about, you know, with people that I worked with of like, Hey, I'm going to get that to you tomorrow. Like I, I, you know, theoretically I could, you know, work an extra hour, but I'm not going to, uh, and, and just kind of being upfront and clear with about that with people, you know, and everybody was like, Oh yeah, cool. No problem. Like, you know, and then it's awesome. Actively, I think, um, you know, from, from, previous experiences where, you know, people were, were tired about crunching you know, at Insomniac just because it's a it's a place that obviously was independent for a long time and they had to really scramble. Um, you know, there's 
and there's always improvement that needs to be done. Insomniac was currently also working specifically to, to try and eliminate crunch. And, you know, a big part of that has been, you know, you know, design managers, you know, working with people to be like, okay, you're not like, I'm going to actively check in that you're not working overtime and actively check in of if you are, what's the reason why, how can we mitigate that? You know, is it a problem with not understanding the system or is it a problem with just, we don't have time to do all of this stuff or, you know, what are, what are the different causes of it and, and attacking those problems? And I'm not an expert in being a design manager or anything, but but having that framework and that support around uh, an employee base is is really really great. Absolutely, it's something that um, one thing I'd like to say when I'm uh, interviewing people who are who are interested in Insomniac um, is that uh, Insomniac's mission statement uh, is uh, to create a positive and lasting impact in people's lives, and certainly that's been through our games obviously we want to make games that are underdog stories and like exciting and and you know are are impactful for people and make a positive impact you know in people's lives uh who, when they play them but we've also turned that inward a little bit and kind of thought of like okay how do we make a positive and lasting impact in our fellow employees you know in our coworkers' lives and the way in which we make these games and making sure that we're you know uh making things in a sustainable method, you know, way that that's going to encourage, you know, employee well-being going forward so that we'll be able to continue making, uh, you know, be consistent at making uh, great stuff. So that's been a really important um, uh, mission for, for Insomniac. And that starts, you know, at the very top with, uh, with Ted. Ted Price is an incredible, awesome human. And uh, but and so is the entire senior leadership team. Everybody yeah. is taking their cues from everybody else. Of we're going to prioritize this. This is you know in our mission statement. It's in our yearly goals. It's going to be in our project goals. It's going to be and it's always at the uh, forefront. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be and that's something that um, uh, you know, like going forward, like we're working on making that part of like you know I was mentioning game pillars. And it's like okay, a lot of those game pillars are more for like the theme or the emotion or, or even kind of the level of excellence that we want a game to be made adding a pillar for and it's going to be made sustainably you know in, in a healthy way uh, is important you know, it's an equally so and, and it allows it to be when you when you have something set as a goal like that uh, you know it's good from a high level to have that set goal obviously it needs to be followed up upon but having it set as a goal allows people to reference it, you know, yeah. allows people to point to it and be like, hey, I totally get what you're talking about, about wanting, you know, this scale of this mission or whatever, but I worry that we're not going to hit our goal of making this, you know, mission in a sustainable manner and in, in a way that's not going to burn people out. So we got to figure out how to adjust either the, you know, that or the timeline or, or figure out something to, um, you know, to hit that goal and making it an actual part of the production methodology as opposed to uh oh it's a nice nebulous goal you know that we may or may not hit yeah um right. one of the exactly. things you obviously cited was was passion in there and that's one of the arguments that you know you'll see get thrown out there from time to time and and it's always one that i guess without being you know on the floor working on the games myself i always thought was kind of a weird one because i think going home and getting some rest that night doesn't make you any less passionate about what you do it in fact serves as the fuel to help you you know, yeah. channel that passion in the, in the best way. So it was always one that I thought was a, 
a strange argument. Like, I get it. Like you can be passionate about your project. I mean, you've spoken about the the love of Star Wars, for example, and 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 everything else that you worked on, and then that growing love of Ratchet as you as you spent more time with the franchise. But I've never understood how that could then come at the expense of these the uh, you know good practice, I guess, and and yeah. um actually and self care and all of those sort of things because you will make a better project. I feel I feel like I can almost say that definitively, despite the fact that I don't actually work on games. Um, I f- you know you will make a better project if you are in a better physical and mental place to do so. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And still have all that passion. Right. Yeah, no, passion is great, but it, it's it's something that um, it's misapplied. Most people will think of the word passion when they think of somebody doing a good job for it. And it's like, I mean, yes, the passion probably was there, but... You'd hope so. You know, that's not the only thing that, you know, it's not the thing that decides whether a project is great or not. There's so many games that have come out and not hit where they wanted to or, you know, not been as great as they they hoped for. Um, but that is a very terrible, like, you know, your Metacritic score is a terrible uh, yardstick for, for measuring passion. Like, it's it's really, really bad. Like, there, there are tons of passionate people that work on games that don't get well received all the time. Or don't get you know, noticed they, for whatever reason, too. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so uh, it's a tricky space. Yeah. But I'm but I'm thrilled yeah. to hear that what what you and Insomniac have been doing is is an incredible force for good in this space. So long yeah. way that continues. You know, there's a lot of places that are, I think are turning around and understanding that better. You know, uh, I've got some friends at Bungie that does an incredible job with this kind of thing. Um, you know, a lot of the I think uh, you know as we've become a part of Sony, a lot of Sony studios are are understanding this in a, a better way. I think in general, just because of work from home you know i think people have started to uh you know understand this a little bit better or or at least you know some of the systems that um allowed crunch to kind of perpetuate were are are weakened you know and you know yep. i think you know you talk about like peer pressure of staying in the office or whatever you know it's like well i can now just turn off my laptop <laughs> at six you know instead of having to get up and walk out in front of a hundred eyes past the me, leadership you know? or whatever yeah yeah, you know, um, there's just a tons of, of things that, you know, factors that have kind of contributed to, I think, yeah, it, it certainly still needs a lot of work, but it's something that I think um, the sort of passive forces leading to crunch or maybe been mitigated some, and then a lot more people are actively working against it, so. That's, that's great to hear, and it's, yeah, it's, it's always one of those things I think will have to be at the forefront, because I think if if anyone sits and pats themselves on the back and say, great, okay, we did an awesome job on the case of Ratchet here, maybe maybe similar sort of story for Miles or Wolverine or whatever the case happens to be. Like, great, we nailed it here. But if you get complacent, these things start to creep in and become nasty habits again. So I think it's, yeah. as you've said a few times, like if it's if it's that pillar um, that, that so much of the other the project itself is built around, then you'll always, well, not always, but you know, hopefully you will always... Uh, maintain that and create a positive workspace that will also hopefully net out in a really positive, awesome product. And as we as we move as we move forward from from Ratchet, and I understand we are entering tricky waters here, so I'm gonna I'll, I'll really just leave this over to you for the most part, so that we can keep uh-huh. this safe and on the right side of the fence. Okay. Yeah, we've we've of yeah. course got uh, Wolverine, which is your Marvel's Wolverine, which is your current project. Yep. Now we are yep. obviously and, uh, very, very limited in what we can say, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and push you in that no space. Worries. Yeah, uh, I'm really happy to work, be working with Horton again. Uh, like I said, Brian Horton is our 
so our creative director for uh, for Wolverine, uh, and I'm uh, happy to be a designer uh, under him again. And uh, I, like you said, can't say much about it, uh, but I'm I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited to be working back on on Marvel stuff again. Like I said, I love uh, I love Marvel, and and uh, I've worked on it in the past, and uh, really excited to be able to get another uh, get another shot at that, and be able to hopefully make something that'll be uh, really exciting for people. How was that excitement when you actually got to announce the game? Um, what was it now? Oh, wow. Over a year ago? I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, very excited. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you how encouraging it is. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's exciting, but it's also a little scary. You know, yeah, I you bet. Know, kind of like the, you see the scale of, of people's reactions, you know. But, I mean, I, I cannot tell you how much not just myself but any other developer that i know will you know if you're bummed out like going back and watching you know like now that we have this you know wonderful setup where we can watch people reacting to you know stuff on youtube oh it's so so nice to see people pumped you know about uh you know what project you're working on and and just excited about the concept of the project you know is is so uh exciting it's like okay cool this is we've hit on something that people are really really gonna be happy you know excited about uh we just gotta now not mess it up but i i feel <laughs> i feel uh you know uh excited uh knock on wood a little bit but i feel like we're in a, a good place to to do it it's service uh but yeah it's exciting it, i am being part of that is also just like that's why I, like i like being a game dev because this is stuff that i would be excited about you know like i i love being able to be on the, the other side of, you know, like, yeah. like when I see other, you know, games that are announced or whatever, I'm super psyched. I'm super pumped about it. And then, well, we talk about know, Jedi survivor able... before, for example, like that's going right, to be exactly. or was exactly. really exciting for us. I'm sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, and like when that first trailer announced, like I immediately got on my phone and was texting like, you know, the five or five or six, you know, people at the time that I knew that on the, on the team, I was like, Oh my God, what is that? What is that? Like, is this, tell me everything that might be this you know yeah exactly like i don't want you to actually tell me because i don't want to be spoiled but i you know i, I like uh you know the excitement around it and, and being able to be um you know in, in contact with people and, and give them kind of what i get from from those reactions of just like i'm just so excited to see what happens you know and, and jump into that world so and so I guess again without wading into details, but um, the the day that the game was announced, did you did you know that there was going to be the the one two Spider Man two and Wolverine Punch? Was that was that I guess because obviously there's there's two different silos there, and I'm sure like everyone obviously knows what's kind of going on internally. But um, were you aware that in terms of the way they were going to be presented, there was essentially going to be I think I think maybe GT seven was spliced in the middle there, but yep. Um, yep. but the, the one two punch was going to happen that day. Yeah, I mean, a lot of studios are very different in terms of how they handle stuff. Insomniac is very, very uh, internally clear. Uh, so, you know, I know a lot of the stuff that is happening and with with all the teams and stuff like that. Um, and so we were excited for both. I mean, like, I'm, I'm not actively working on Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm just as excited for, for, for that and for people's reactions to that. And, um, you know, yeah, we, we knew about the... the the order uh going in so that was uh exciting to see you know there's so much plan like our marketing team and and like there's so much unbelievable minutia and detail and planning that goes into that and you know i don't you know marketing budgets are, are at the point for these types of games 
where you know it's 50 50 most of the time yeah right uh, where you know half of of your budget is making the game and the other half of your budget is promoting is marketing the game you know which is insane i mean when you think about like how high you know how much it costs to, to make a game and then you think about spending that just on on marketing but it's important to be able to get in such a, a hugely um you know wonderfully filled filled market it's great that there's so many people making games out there um but in order to try to get you know the type of uh you know visibility on your project you need to spend an insane amount of money and to work with really really professional people who know exactly what they're doing and are 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 dialed in on kind of like the exact the really tiny minutia of how people are going to react so uh we knew about how how it was going to be presented and uh our market people were right and everybody flipped out yeah (laughs) i mean i'm sure on the day okay Uh, spider-man's airing and people uh, people getting excited and and then you, I'd imagine you're sitting back. You're obviously talking about being able to watch and see what people are going through, and I'm I'm sure there was a degree of yeah, but okay, you haven't you haven't seen anything and yet. Just you know just what? wait. <laughs> I, I want to brag a little bit. This is the second time that they did it because when we announced Rift Apart and Miles, that was also oh. a one-two punch. Yeah, of course. Which yeah, most people don't think about. It I forgot about that. Like yeah, Robert, sorry. Good both, point. Not both Marvel, but but yeah, they uh, that was also uh, uh, a similar like uh, I think there was like a game or something in between them as, as well, but um yeah holy uh, shit yeah thank really, you for the reminder I was really like really excited about that that's uh that's an impressive thing to do <laughs> for anybody uh i was very impressed with our team uh and everything for for how how that was all handled and, and done it was really awesome good luck following that up next time around with whatever whatever comes after I, this next yeah time. i know yeah well that's the problem i was like i don't want to keep you know i'm glad that we did it i don't want i don't want people to think that that's uh you know always going to be the case no that's a really uh, good point i mean the last two times you've announced two two games almost back to back so you know i guess in 2024 or five whatever it ends up being that uh there'll be three games announced at the same time right <laughs> it just spirals that's out of control not always how it works but yeah no uh let's say three's a pattern so we haven't <laughs> hit a pattern yet so yeah uh, excellent point so we'll uh, nobody expected anyway. we'll we'll set our expectations properly adequately <laughs> for next time um yeah. whenever whenever that ultimately emerges um so it's been been fantastic to walk through this career of yours so far and some really fantastic titles and certainly excited to hear more about wolverine whenever the time may come but as we cycle back to i guess you more specifically and we start to wind things down is there anyone out there that you've worked with or you look at from afar that really inspires you in the way you have gone about your work that you continue to go about your work? Man, that is uh, that's a good question. I think that I've been lucky that I've had a lot of people that are, you know, on an individual level have, been, have inspired me in, in the way that they've um, been working. I've been able to work with a lot of them um, and uh, uh, that's been really awesome. Again, I think, you know, at a higher level from a you know studio level, I think that uh, Bungie has a lot of things tuned in real well. Um, you know, they've got a really nice uh, ongoing project that they, they're they still innovating with new stuff, but they, they you know, are able to create a sustainable uh, workplace, you know, for friends of mine that, that work there and who yep. have worked there for a long time, you know, and talking to them about it. Um, that is really hard. And they were also kind of in a unique position with just the popularity and, and you know, success of an ongoing kind of project like Destiny that's able to help support that. Um, so you know i don't expect everybody to be able to replicate the exact way that they do that but um they've been really impressive um but they can be a, know, a guiding I, guiding light a northern you know north yeah, south those sorts of things yeah as well. uh, and there's lots to learn from them i'm really happy that you know now that they're uh more part of the the sony uh part of the family you know family yeah we can reach out and, and share 
more about the um, you know just methodologies and, and you know, best practices and stuff like that and see what works for us and what works for them um so yeah i think that's been been awesome um you know a lot of uh the people that i would, I would think of are, are people that I, I know on a personal basis that are have done amazing work a huge shout out to a lot of people that sony santa monica yep. um that you know and god of war just played through that and it's unbelievably it's just incredible what an achievement right and, like yeah it's so it's so shocking i mean i think that's a game god of war 2018 i feel like I was always so impressed with all the it's a game that just makes a lot of the right choices they focus on a lot of the right thing you know there's not not everybody's going to be able to focus on every little tiny detail and then there's some details in God of War 2018 where like oh, that's a little bit janky but it also doesn't matter because it's like a squeeze through and nobody really cares about if yeah. you know this thing is you know but the peaks they focused on you know they focus on the right things I think this did it as well in it's astonishing just the scale and, and scope that they're able to accomplish. And, um, you know, I, I friends who worked on the some of the side content, some of the main content, but the side content, just the scale. And I mean, there's a whole nother game that's not, that's optional content, you know, like, it's, it's it, enormous. It's crazy. It's like 20 hours worth of optional content, which is bonkers. Uh, you know, uh, I'm pretty consistently always impressed with the work that comes out of, uh, out of Naughty Dog. Uh, those people that are working very hard and, and again, trying to find the way to work smarter yeah. and, and uh, you know, uh, work in a more sustainable way now. Uh, but, you know, obviously all of their work is, is incredible. Um, I'd say Ghost of Tsushima was another big one for me in the past couple of years. That was a real surprise for me. I, uh, that team made something really really addictive to me uh you know I, I you know it was coming out kind of the same time as last of us part two and i knew last of us part two was gonna be great and i was kind of the only one that i was like expecting to be like to, to really suck me in but ghost of tsushima really sucked me in um so i was really impressed with with everybody on that team um uh and then yeah anybody else is like you know uh more more specific people i can uh from god of war is anthony Demento and uh uh, Nick Everly are, are two designers, senior designers there. Yeah. Mihir uh, Smith, amazing combat designer. Uh, Danny Carlone is a very, very, very good friend of mine. Is an incredible uh, senior uh, uh, artist at God of War uh, on God of War, and uh, uh, very excited again for the Jedi Survivor team that's coming up. I know a lot of people on that team. Uh, they're all very excited to to have that out in the world. I bet and be able, be able to yeah get it out the door and have people play it um yeah i think i think there's a lot of a lot of talent everywhere i think talent's not the 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 problem in game dev game dev has an insane amount of uh incredibly talented people across it yeah you know all all over everywhere you look there's there's incredibly talented people yeah i think i mean that's one of the things that was obvious to me anyway before i even started this show but i mean 100 episodes in like it's it's crystal clear that this this industry is packed to the rafters with wonderfully talented people and mm-hmm. i think it's how you then and this cycles back to the the crunch conversation everything before but it's it's how you you as a studio as you know a leadership or management sort of level like how do you utilize that talent how do you support that talent how do you foster that talent yeah. how do you ensure that they're able to continue to deliver the best their ability but in that sustainable way that i think is the still the challenge that the industry is facing um because yeah the talent's yeah. absolutely there and, and and you know it's something that uh this industry is is obviously a very large uh, 
industry from from its kind of its impact culturally and in the, in the you know financially but uh you know it is a very small industry in terms of people getting to know each other and and connect with each other and uh that's one of the exciting things about it i think as well as yeah. being able to to get close to to tons of extremely talented people or to be able to follow uh people on uh well i guess Twitter or Hive, we'll see in yeah. six months which of these things exist. What lasts? But, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, uh, not to date this too much, but uh, but uh, you know, being able to connect with with uh, people from from all over is, is extremely important, you know, and really 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 cool. No, and um, I mean it's it's awesome, and yeah, I hope that it continues to grow as as it has been. One more kind of serious one before we end with a few lighter things sure. to wrap things up. Um, what have been some of the most valuable lessons that you've learned? throughout this journey so far and you've, you've worked on some huge ip um rooted in games and others not so um in the, obviously in the case of avengers and uh, wolverine as examples um and star wars too i guess i should say it too um yeah. what, what have you learned the most from from your time in the industry so far uh for me personally i think a big part of it is like i said not tracking passion by by hours spent that it has been a, a really important thing for me um you know, uh, I think also the way in which, uh, you know, like I said, because everybody is so talented, um, as a designer specifically, I think it's very, very important to uh, not be precious with your ideas and also to be open to ideas from, from everywhere. One of the greatest things about being a designer is that you can take tons of feedback and you don't have to listen to all of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get to decide what, what you listen to. Um, that's kind of the main, <laughs> that's one of the main kind of core skills that I feel like designers have to apply no matter what they're working on is, is the ability to take in massive amounts of feedback and then act on what they choose. Um, but that means that you can get great ideas from anywhere you can and should seek out, you know, uh, anyone, whether, you know, if this, you have, a game segment that you need somebody to play and you're like, Hey, uh, I know this person might not be working on this, you know, or might not be in a design mindset, but yeah. you know, whether they're VFX artists or, or, you know, incredibly important, uh, you know, QA is going to know that game in now more than anybody else. Uh, uh, you know, uh, but in whoever you get, anybody can have a, a perfect idea that kind of locks in to the problem that you're trying to fix. It's just, you need to source it. Utilize the strengths um, that are there you know and yeah and uh and for some stuff knowing when it's when it's not feedback that you need to to, to focus on so um i think those are are hugely important uh and that's i think one of the most exciting things for me as we move into to more work from home as a as a standard you know we're going to allow more people into the industry who might not have been able to purely because they couldn't move somewhere Yep. And that means a lot more people from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot more different perspectives. I'm just super excited for that because I think it, it means that we're going to be able to, in, in all things, get a lot more feedback from different perspectives into our, our games and listen to you know, a lot of different opinions about stuff um, and, and source you know, feedback from a whole lot of new places that we might not have been able to hear from uh, and, and learn from that and uh, you know, design in that in that vein and that'll hopefully change things for the better so that's like the thing i'm most excited about about work from home yeah it is a really exciting place to to be in and and does unlock a lot of potential options that were just not on the table before because of that that distance in a lot of ways so yeah. really really exciting Absolutely. in that space 
as I said, we'll wrap up with a few lighter ones, um, a few fun ones. If sure. you could be credited for any game, so just retroactively add your name into the credits. Like I just, I would have loved to work on that. Maybe it's the whole project. Maybe it's because of one particular aspect in a game that just blew your mind. Like, oh, geez, I wish I could have done that. Mm-hmm. What game would you pick? Oh man. Um... I mean, I guess to some degree, thirteen thirteen. I wish it came out, <laughs> but uh, that's you know, But no, I'll go with a game that actually did come out. Uh, I mean, The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, it's, yep. it's such a bold game, and you know, um, when there's a change halfway through that game, that I was like, I don't believe it. Are they gonna do it? And then they did it. I can't. I don't, don't want to get into spoilers, but like. Last of Us Part One blew me away uh, when I was. Uh, you know, I, I played that when I was just starting in the industry right uh you know uh came out right as i was starting at crystal uh it was hugely influential on me for like this is a goal this is what games can do he's the bar part two i was worried about concerned about didn't want them to touch it again i was like i don't want to know i have my own answer for what happens to joel and ellie i don't want to hear it let me put my head Uh, in the sand (laughs) yeah exactly and then uh and then they just killed it in such an impressive way that i was like okay well damn you you won me over this is uh unbelievably good uh so yeah that was i I would love to to get some time on that Uh, a little bit the same as you i i was after the last was came out okay let's let's not touch this that is the experience we are done i'm happy and then last was part two came along and as you said they crushed it and that's kind of changed my approach a little bit like okay like if you're gonna go there i I trust you. Like, I mean, not that I not that I was lacking in trust for Naughty Dog in the first place, because they've they've been hitting it out of the park for years now. But it was that right. kind of protective. It wasn't, it wasn't a rational fear, yeah. for sure. Yeah, exactly. It was kind you of know, rooted in some irrational stuff. I was just like emotionally, I was just like, I don't know. Yeah. And um, and then like you you see what's coming with the the HBO series, and you go, okay, like anything you guys t- like, if you this, I, I just trust where this thing's going at this point. Um. Another lighter one there. If you could go back and replay any game, strike it from your memory and get to play it for the first time. What game would you pick? Mm. That is a tough one. I think I, I, so. I, I did just replay Final Fantasy X. I will not choose that because I just for that reason. It, but yeah. but uh, so that means I'll go with the other one and, and go with Ocarina of Time. I, I think you know if I had never. It's tough though because I. It, uh, gets into the semantics of the hypothetical, but yep. you know, if I if I if I strike all all games since then that uh, that built off of that uh, from my mind and, and just replay that again, I, I just you'd be in a pretty happy place. Yeah, it was, it was such an impressive, like impactful thing. Not fantastic choice, Grant. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this journey so far. These incredible insights. You've been working on some amazing games. You are continuing to do so. I'm chock full of confidence for for what Marvel's Wolverine will be um, or you know, kind of is behind the scenes currently. Um, desperately looking forward to hearing more. Uh, don't worry, this is he's not going to tell me anything off camera, so it's, it's uh, <laughs> not out of luck there. But uh, um, if people want to see what you're up to on the more day to day, reach out, interact. Where would people be best to go? Yeah, like I said, uh, definitely uh, Twitter or uh, you know Hive for the two places that I'm I'm at right now. Uh, I'll, for anything in the future, I'll. I'll try to grab the uh, Grant, at Grant P design uh, very nice uh, t- you know handle so wherever we end up all going I'll, I'll try to grab that 
and uh, yeah, I try to use that pretty regularly. No, uh, good, good call there. It's a nice, awesome, easy to access handle, and and thank you personally because it was it was through social media exchanges that we managed to pair up and and for you to be able to come on the show and what is what has ultimately become episode one hundred. So I am so excited to have had you on the show, thrilled to have had you here sharing that journey, and and I guess thank you for giving me the opportunity to chat. Well, th- thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, I'm really, really happy to do it. And uh, congrats on the 100. That's, that's super awesome. I need to. I have a huge backlog. I have to go back and listen to them. I, I, I've only listened to, to Osama's and then uh, like one or two others like started. But uh, I'll go back and listen to some more of the episodes. Awesome. Well, I, I, hope, you, I hope you enjoy that back catalog then. But um, I guess as, as I wrap things up, uh, to all, all the listeners out there, thank you so much for joining me for the these 100 episodes so far, plus a couple little filler commentary things along the way. I've uh, really appreciated all your support, and we've got big plans for the, the, the 2023 year ahead, and I guess what will become the beginning of the next 100 episodes. So thank you to everyone who's joined me for the journey so far. Again, Grant, thank you so much for, for joining me for this episode. Thank you. And listeners, as always, thank you very much for listening. I'll see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until the next episode, however, this has been Grant's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.